Okay, Shalom Obracha. We're continuing with where we left off in Likute Moran, Torah Tzadik Bet, Tinyana, part 2. Right, the last Torah, the 92 is the last Torah of Likute Moran technically on the Tikkun HaKlali. And we're in the paragraph, the second paragraph, where Rabbeinu, Rabbi Nachman is telling us what are the actual 10 chapters to say. You should know that in Sichot Aran, when Rav Nosen gives the history of the revelation of the Tikkun Akali, so he said that in the year 1805, Rabbi Nachman revealed the idea that 10 chapters of Tehillim are misugal to be metaken pigamabrit. And at the time, he said any 10 chapters could be enough at the time in 1805. Four years later, he said, he said it would be worth revealing what are the 10 specific chapters, but any 10 chapters can help. Then in 1809, four years passed, he then revealed what were the actual 10 kapitlich. The question is, you reveal to us, you say any 10 can help, and then you say which 10 specific ones. If, that, if you reveal the 10 specific ones, why is it necessary to say any 10 can help? So I have a theory in that it could be that up to the year 1805, Yes, it would have been enough any 10 chapters of Tehillim to fix this. But 1809, after events in the world, many, things ha- many crazy things happened in the world between 1805 and 1809, especially with Napoleon. Napoleon and his hashkafa and hashpa'a on the Jews in the Ukraine becoming stronger due to the chance that he was going to win the war. Until the end, they didn't know exactly. Only 1810... Boom, things crashed. It didn't, didn't, didn't work out. So then it was the t- total collapse of the French in, in, in trying to take over Russia and everything. But they left behind a strong hashpa, a very negative influence. Like it could Yvonne. be. Huh? Like yeah. So it could be that due to historical events making the Jews sink lower into Tuma of Hashkafa, that now a stronger tikkun is needed. And in that, Rabbi Nachman revealed which specific ten can do the tikkun. But it was amazing that he said <coughs> any ten. Because throughout history, Jews in Elul say every day, ten kapitlich tell them every day anyways. It's like a custom that didn't start ten years ago, it didn't start a hundred years ago. It's been on for a few hundred years already the custom in Elul to say a lot of kapitals of Tehillim in the month of Elul. It's yeah. something from the time of the Chida, before the Chida, from the time of the Arizal, you know, going 500, 600 years ago that people were, were saying ten chapters straight. So it was a thing. And Rabbeinu said in 1805, that's enough to fix Tikkun Pgama Brit. But now, after four years passed, he said, no, we hear the specific 10, and these are the ones that we see. So now we're holding in chapter Tzadik 90. There's a lot on this chapter. Let's see how much we can get covered with the Tashim. And last week was Shir, yeah? Last year was Ayin Zayin, which was Nigun. Nigun. Ezkira Neginati Balayla. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. And I'm not saying as nuntet. Okay. So tzaddik. First of all, Rabbi Nachman in the previous paragraph, he brings a pasuk to prove that tefillah is the antidote for pkamabrit. The pasuk he brings is from Eov. Hayachel tafel nibli melech. We went into this a little, maybe. I think maybe we didn't. Eov. It's a, it's, a, it's a verse in Eov. The full verse reads like this: Can you eat bland? food without salt? Question mark? Of course you can't. Can you eat bland food without salt? Then the verse continues. 
האם יש טעם בריר חלמות? Is there taste in the liquid part of the egg yolk? חלמות is the חלמון. You have the חלבון, which is the yellow part of the yolk, and you have the white yolk, the white part of the egg, which is the חלמון. חלבון. Sorry, I made a mistake. חלמון is the yellow part, the yellow. חלבון, חלב, is white, is the white part, the liquidy C2 part in the raw egg. Okay? So, is there taste? יש טעם בריר חלמות? He's saying, can you eat bland food without salt? Of course you can. No one wants to eat food. that's bland without salt. Can you eat the egg, the white egg yolk when it's still liquidy without being fried or scrambled eggs or cooked eggs? Of course you can't, okay? That's the full verse. So how Rabbi Nachman interpreted it, how the Zohar interprets it, okay, is like this. Melach refers to the tzaddik. Why does Melach refer to the tzaddik? Because Melach, salt, the word Brit, covenant, is associated with salt. When it comes to the Korbanot and the Mizbeach, Hashem uses the word Brit Melach. There's Brit Melach, very nice. There's a Brit Melach. Hashem made a covenant with the water that water will have a part on the Mizbeach. Because in the Mizbeach, what do you have normally? You have the animal, you have fire, you have wood. So you have three of the four elements. You have fire, earth, and the animal, which has breath. So you have, you have earth, wind, fire. There's no water on the Mizbeach. So the water complained. The water, the angel of water complained, I don't have a part of the Mizmeach. Hashem made a covenant from the time of creation. There's a breed made that water will have a part on the Mizmeach. And salt is a byproduct of water. Okay? So we have the water and the word that the Torah uses is Brit Melach. Hashem made a covenant. It's a funny term. Brit Melach. That's a, what's, what's the word Brit Melach? The, 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 halacha, the Torah says... Whenever you have a korban, you must put salt on the sacrifice, on the mizmeach. Bit melach, that's important, the parashiot, vaikra. Vaikra tzav, those parashiot, that term appears, that you have to have a, a covenant with the, put, with the korban, that you have to put on salt onto the korban. So Rabbi Nachman in the Zohar says, the fact that it says the word brit with melach shows that there's a connection between brit and melach. That melach, salt, is synonymous of the representation of the Brit, which is the Tzaddik. What the Zohar says, what is a Tzaddik? Someone who guards the Brit. That's the definition of Tzaddik. So automatically, if Brit says by Tzaddik, and Brit is by Melach, so make the equation, one plus one is two. So Brit salt is the idea of the Tzaddik. So the Zohar says like this, We're not for salt. People could not stand the bitterness of the world. Okay, that's what the Zohar says. What does that mean? Well, if it's not for salt, there's such bitterness in this world, in this gainam of the world, that there's, you need salt to, to mitigate the bitterness. So what is the salt? That's the tzaddik. Were it not for the tzaddikim, a person could not stand the bitterness of life. From here you see, you need a tzaddik to give you guidance. A person can't say, I have art scroll, I have Schottenstein, I have Feldheim, I don't need a tzaddik, I, I can manage, I have the books and everything, I have online, everything. No, you need a tzaddik. Because the tzaddik is the one, he's going to give you the guidance how to handle the difficulties of life. There's the Torah, which is the, the tavlin, is the spices. But spices without salt is still not enough, right? Uh, the, the Hashem says, Barati Torah, Barati, barati Yetzara, Barati ta, ta, Torah Tavlin. I created Yetzara, and I created ta, Tavlin, sp- sp- spices, as the Torah. But it doesn't say Melach. <laughs> yeah, Melach is the Tzaddik who gives the taste, okay? 
So the, 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 the tzaddik is the one who gives taste. So now the Zohar says on this pasuk, okay, look at this, it's unbelievable. Hayachel tafel mibli melach. Can you eat bland food? Wait a second, in Hebrew dikduk, grammar. How do you write the word for bland secondary food? With a tet, not with a tav. The verse reads here, look, for tefillah, he says, Hayachel tafel with a tav. What does it say tafel? Tafel is more prayer. Litpalel, tefillah. That's prayer. What are you taking a tav from the Hebrew word for prayer and putting it on bland food? You know? So the Zohar says, ah, it's coming to teach you something. That there is a tefillah which is bland. It's secondary. Right? And also, in a few connotations. A prayer that's bland is a prayer that's not attached to the tzaddik. The Zohar says this. The Zohar says, tefillah lemosheh. Tefillah le-David. What does that mean? Tefillah is only shayach to Moshe. Tefillah is only shayach to David. So how about us? Ah, what do you do? You have to attach, this is from the Zohar, not just from Rabbi Nachman. Can you believe this? You have to, in order for Tefillah to be Tefillah, it has to have Moshe Rabbeinu or David the Melech in the picture. You have to, what? Or Chavakuk. The Zohar goes into Chavakuk and everyone, but they say the, the prime example is Davka. Because there's another one after Tchavakut, there's another tzaddik who used the word tefillah, or Yeshaya, there's another prophet, Zechariah, I forgot. There's another one the Zohar brings that, that also used the word for tefillah, besides Chavakut, okay? But the idea is that tefillah, the Zohar asked this question about Chavakut, that it's not like, a, he was borrowing the term. He says tefillah is exclusively David and, and, and Moshe. And of the two, Moshe more than David and Melech. Tefillah is more exclusively Shayach. The Zohar goes to Chavakut, by the way. He says, but there was bored, there was a bored term. It was, he wasn't expressing that he mastered the tefillah, even though he's a tzaddik, and for sure makes sense that he should have the level of tefillah. Nonetheless, tefillah is only when it's attached to and connected to Moshe Ah, okay? So the Zohar goes into this. Okay, one second. The Zohar, he goes into this term of idea of tafel. What's tafel? Tafel means secondary. What's an example? Okay, food. You have food which is bland. Food is called secondary towards the salt. Because salt gives taste to the food, so I'm, I'm paying $500 for a nice piece of caviar and everything, but if there's no salt, it has no taste, I'm not gonna eat it. So because of the salt, the salt is considered primary, and the food itself is secondary. Because the salt gives the flavor to the food, so the salt has all the chashivut, all the importance. You're not paying $500 for the salt. I'm paying $500 for the caviar, the expensive fish, or whatever, sushi, or some expensive type of tuna, I don't know, whatever. You're paying tons of money for that, for that, for that thing. But the salt is what ultimately gives the flavor. So because of that, the, the salt is considered ikar, and the food itself is bland and secondary. So the, the Zohar, quoting the Midrash, brings another example to this. Another example to this is a rider on, and the sus, and the horse, okay? You have a rider and the horse. Who's the ikar and who's the tafel? The ikar normally is the rider and the horse is secondary. He's secondary, okay? But now, so what's a horse? Sus, we went into this a lot. Sus is gematria 126. 60 plus 60, that's 120, and vav, that's 126. What's 126? 126 is the expansion of the holy name that corresponds to malchut. Every sphere of the 10 sphere, I don't have the book here to show you, we went into this once, has a different divine name of Hashem that's associated. So, Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud 
is, is associated with the sphere of Malchut, which is prayer. Adonai, Sfatai, Tiftach, Ufiagitiratecha. It's written Aleph Dalet Nunyud. So that's, and that's the name associated. This is the proof. Hashem, Aleph Dalet Nunyud, opens my mouth to speak. In other words, prayer associated with Aleph Dalet Nunyud. Keter, we went into this as Ekkeh. Remember, we went into this a little. Ekkeh is the Keter. Yud Kevavke, depend how it's, how the, the, the dots are, the, voc- the, the vocalization. We have El, Kelokim, Tzvakot, Shakai. Okay? Fine. So Aleph Dalet Nunyud is the name of God. Associated with Malchut, which is prayer. Prayer is the idea of Malchut, okay? This name, when it's expanded in the following format, it's called Ribua. Aleph, Aleph Dalit, Aleph Dalit Nun, Aleph Dalit Nun Yud adds up to 126, the source. Sus. The source in the, the Sus in the Kabbalah corresponds to prayer, the words of the prayer. So now you have the writer over the prayer, okay? Which means that you are in control of the words you're saying. And not that the words are in control of you. For example, when a person can't have kavanah and davening, and he feels that davening is the biggest burden, let's just get on with it already. Mincha, mincha, okay, mincha, let's just do it already because I have to do it. When a person feels obliged to do it, and not that he has a gishmak in davening, so it's like the sus is on, the horse is on top of him. He's carrying the sus. Okay, because now he's made secondary primary. And primary, secondary. You're supposed to be the rider over the words. You're supposed to have control over the words. It's like a, a rider controls the horse. The horse turns left, the horse turns right. So I'm in charge of the Baruch Ata Hashem Elokeinu Baruch Shama. I'm in control of the words. I can concentrate on everything. When I don't have that, so the horse is on top of me because I have to, I have to daven now. I have to daven because I have to daven Shachrit. I have to daven because I'm a Jew. Halacha. But I can't concentrate in the davening, so it's like I'm schlepping a horse. Rabbi Nachman says this is how most people feel that davening is not just, you know, not exciting, but it's a burden. The average person, when they can't connect to the words of the davening, they just want to just let's get on with it already. We just finish already the davening because they feel it's such a burden, and it is a burden. It's like the Zohar says, it's like you're schlepping a horse. You're carrying the horse now, so it's not easy to carry a horse. Okay, you put a horse on your back. <laughs> That's why it's a burden. That's why davening is such a burden. What we need is that I am in control of the words. Okay? So tefillah can be secondary. Okay? So he's saying here, Rabbi Nachman's proof is like this. Hayachel tafel mibli melach. Melach, we said, corresponds to the tzaddik, which corresponds to Shemirat Abrit, guarding the covenant. So his proof is like this. Can prayer be consumed without salt? Of course it can't. Opa. Of course it can't be considered without salt. In other words, in order to be considered tefillah, it has to have salt, which is Shemir Tabrit. Because there's no Shemir Tabrit, there's no tefillah. Rabbeinu says this in several places, that concentrating in davening is dependent a lot on Shemir Tabrit. Shemir Tabrit is dependent on davening. A, B, B, A. It's one of those things in Likutei Moran, we don't know where the beginning point is. A leads to B, but also B leads to A. So, so where do you start? So he says the beginning of all beginnings is Rosh Hashanah by the Tzaddik. Rav Nosen says that. He says Rosh Hashanah is called Rosh Hashanah because it's the head for everything else. And if you have the beginning on the right footing, automatically things in life have eventually the right footing also. That's why it's stressed to begin the year on the right place, the right address, so automatically everything that follows. Rav Nosen says this in Likutei Alachot, that the beginning of all beginnings, he says, is Rosh Hashanah. That's what's called Rosh. It's the beginning of the year, and you're by a tzaddik who can now influence 
your new year and everything happens within the year. Even if afterwards you have tons of ups and downs and everything, you're on the right track now. Doesn't Ravina say beginning of all beginnings is also Tztaka? Yeah. And so Tztaka towards buying a ticket for Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? That was good. <laughs> Come back. All right. All right. Fine. So, so this is how Rabbeinu interprets Hayachel Tafel Mibli Melach. Can there, can there be tefillah without salt? Of course they're not, because tefillah is only when it's Lemoshe. Tefillah is when it's Lemoshe, connected to Moshe Rabbeinu. Then it's called tefillah. If it's, there's no Moshe, there's no tefillah here. So he said, so the chair Narav, the comment on the Kutim Ram, he continues the rest of the verse. What was the rest of the verse? Unbelievable, you're going to flip out. Hayesh Ta'am Berir Chalamot. Is there taste in the liquid part of the egg, the white part, the chalamut, right? So we, we translated that, is there, there's no taste in the pshat, there's no taste in liquid part of an egg. Ich, you bake an, you fry an egg, you boil an egg, you cook an egg, and then you can eat the white part also, right? So the verse is reading, okay, is there davening without shmirat abrit? No. If you have tefillah, so then there's no more ta'am, for, watch this, rear, is the liquid that comes out of man, like you find in Vaikra, by on the parsha of the Zav. When it says when a man has an emission for a Zav, it's called Rir Besaro. Rir, Resh, Yud, Resh. It says there that the liquid coming out of the man's reproductive organ when it has a Zav, Zava, it's called Rir Besaro. So this is unbelievable. Chalamot is like the wording for a dream. Chalom. So, Hayashtam. If now you're Zohar Teshmer Tabrit, which is Tefillah, if there's Tefillah, because there's Melach, so there's no more Tam, there's no more reason for having the damage caused by having an emission when having a dream. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's the chair in the rough, his commentary. He explains the rest of the verse on this. If you have Tefillah, because there's Melach, so there's no more tam, there's no more reason for having damage caused by the liquid, the rir, because of the chalom of the dream, the way the nocturnal emission. Unbelievable. Also, Rashi says that the zoba looks like the white part of the egg being cooked. That's where it came from. That's the chidush is based on. Unbelievable. That's where we got it from. Rashi the Rashi brings down. That's uh, from the Gemara. It's 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 domelech chelmon, right? That 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 end, but it's it and it's. It's connected. It's gooey, right? That's what he said. I'm not going to go into details. In any event, okay. This is how Rabbeinu explains this pasuk. Okay, now look at this chapter. Tefillah, Nemoshe, Isha Elokim. Okay, Adonai, Maon, Ata, Aitalanu, Bedov, Ador. I remember all the details. There's a lot of details here. Okay? Midrash Tehilim. Midrash Tehilim is a very important book. People don't know about it. It's called Midrash Shochetov. It's a follow-up to Midrash Rabbah on the Chumash. That means it was written by like Tanaim, Amoraim. It's from that time, the Midrash Rabbah. From the Tanaim. Midrash Rabbah on this verse brings 11 explanations. On this one pasuk, Tfilah Moshe Isha Elohim, Adonai Ma'on Ata Ha'ita Lanu Bedor That's the full pasuk in this, in, 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 in this capital 90. Okay? So we're going to use one of the interpretations. Okay? Tfilah <coughs> Moshe. Who's, who's Moshe? Moshe is called Isha Elokim. Ish, like it says about Ish Naomi in Megillat Ruth, right? Elimelech was called Ish Naomi. Rashi goes out of his way to say, the master of Naomi, the Baal of Naomi. 
So who is Moshe? Tfila le Moshe is Isha Elokim. He's the master over Elokim. And what's Elokim? How could someone be the master over the Lord? Elokim is the name of Hashem, which is associated with Gvura and the Sfirot and the Kabbalah, but it's also associated with nature. Elokim is Gematria, Teva, nature, Teva. Tet Bet Ein, that's 70, plus 9, plus 2, that's 80, 81. 81 is Teva, Elokim is 81. Tfilah Moshe, the prayer of Moshe Rabbeinu, is master over nature. Over nature. He's the master, okay? Elokim is 86. What? Elokim is 86. So how is Elokim, uh, with the letters maybe, one second. It's Gematria Teva. Teva is 81, Elokim is 86. So, but they say Teva. Maybe, maybe I'm trying to figure this out. Then Teva is 81 and Elokim is 86. So how come Hat Teva? Sorry, Hat Teva. Thank you. Okay, Hat Teva. Okay. The nature. Yeah, that's how it is. I'm sorry. Hat Teva. Right. So we're missing five. We got five here. Hat Teva. The nature. Hat Teva is 86 and Elokim is 86. Fine. Okay. So when you have Tefillah Moshe, what's the power of Tefillah Moshe? Is that there's hope. This whole chapter 90, what's the main theme of chapter 90? Of the futility of mankind. You have some people who failed to do their mission in life. They failed to do their tikkun. They failed. The whole message, right? Our life is just 70 years, and if we're lucky, 80 years, and it's all filled with all types of suffering, all these types of difficulties, and it goes on. The whole main theme of chapter 90 is that we were complaining over almost reaching futility in Yehush, because we saw our face of so many failures and setbacks in life, we feel that it's totally finished. How am I going to make it? How am I ever going to become a tzaddik? Look at me. I'm already old guy, over 50. I have a big pot belly. I can't get up for davening anymore. I can't get up for chatzot. I don't have that fire. I used to be, when I was young, I had a fire for Kedusha Tainayim, Kedusha Debrit. I go on the bus now. I look everywhere. I can't control myself. I see good food. I'm, there's, no, there's no free fuel anymore. I feel compelled that I have to eat all the good food. I'm finished. I'm finished. I tried when I was 20, when I was 30, I had good yearning, I had good intentions, I did a lot of davening, I invested so much in trying to work on myself, and now look where I got, I got nowhere and everything. Those are spiritual setbacks. Koshikem, physical setbacks, person he got married and he thought he'd have a nice family, and 20 years down the line he's divorced, this child has cancer, and this, and chovot, and this whole story is crazy. Just yesterday, just this morning, I heard some guy committed suicide in Rechov Yuel, in Sharim. A guy divorced chovot. They found he hung himself in his house because of the corona, and he's divorced. And his wife, ex-wife is after him to, to suck out all of his, all, every last dime from that he has in his pocket. And then and the problem with his children, and this and that. So the guy felt there's no purpose to live anymore, and he committed suicide, okay? In this chapter 19, he's addressing the people who feel failures. What can you do? The whole secret to success in life is Tfilah Moshe, which is what? That if you are alone in life, then yes, you have what to worry about to give up. Yes, give up already before even starting, because if you are alone in life, forget it. What you need is Tfilah Moshe. You need to attach yourself to a tzaddik. What this will do will give you the power of tefillah. What's the power of tefillah? Isha Elohim. It gives you control over nature. Nature dictates, the doctor is saying, there's no hope, you have maybe a few months to live. 
There's no hope this marriage is finished. There's no hope this kid is ever going to turn out. There's no hope you're never going to you're never going to lose weight. There's no hope. Everything. There's no hope. There's no hope. There's no hope. There's no hope. <coughs> That's teva. Okay. Lemala teva is isha elokim. We want to go above elokim. There's elokim, which means yeah, it's coming from God. Yes, it's coming from God. But elokim, not the God who's loving, the God who's showing me an expression of elokim. That's God. That's the God that I know. That's not the God that I know. The God I know is loving and caring and pushed me to make it in life and He wants me to make it in life and He wants me to become a tzaddik and He wants me to come close to Him. That's the God that I know. Not this God who seems seemingly are punishing and this is not working out and this, everything teva, that there's no, there's no hope. According to the laws of nature, nothing will work out. So what to do? We have to go above nature. Classic story that I heard firsthand from Rav Michal Dorfman of Blessed Memory. I love Hashem. Rav Michal Dorfman, when he was living in Moscow, he told me, Mama, she told me this directly, his wife began to have pains in her shoulder and it was getting worse and worse and worse. So she couldn't even sleep, she couldn't do anything. She was just non-stop pain. So he went to the University of Moscow, which was the hospital also, to do an x-ray. Everything there is done with a, with a professor and students. They're learning. That's how it is in the Moscow Hospital University. Okay, so the the professor they, 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 he shows the students they're doing the X-rays and everything, and they see there's a cancer there. So he came to Michal on the side. He says, "Your wife has a cancer, and it's fatal." Okay, that's why she's suffering a lot of pain and everything. It's fatal. They would have to amputate the arm. No, 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 no. All this, whatever. Blah blah blah. Blah blah. So Michal he said to himself. Now I have only to rely on Hashem now. Now it's davening. So he started putting in full force davening and davening and davening. And not just to heal her, but Hashem, your will should come out. What you really want, your loving God. And I know you love us. Help us and guide us to bring out only good from this situation in life. Okay? She had to come back next week for another x-ray. Because it was like serious pain. They couldn't come back in two weeks. Had to come back like... To see what's happening, because before they do the surgery, to cut off the arm, whatever, to see what's happening, if it's growing, if it's not, and changing. So they did another uh, x-ray next week, all gone. Disappeared. Okay, now the professor is with the students, and they see the x-rays before, and they see the x-rays after. Okay, this is communist Russia, this is 1960s, 1960s, 1950s, communist Russia, okay? The professor refused to admit there was a, a miracle here. So Michal overheard the professor telling his students, can you, you can see with your own eyes how even an x-ray machine can make a mistake. Okay? He didn't want to accept the miracle. But there was a clear miracle here. He said, they denied it. He didn't want to accept. He said, Here, here's an exa- a classic example how an x-ray machine can make a mistake. <laughs> no, not to accept it was a miracle. No, 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 no. Chas v'shalom, right? God, shimrachim. So, this is tefillah. Tefillah has the power to be above nature. That's what tefillah is for. Tefillah, but on your own, you can't do it. Tefillah le Moshe is Isha Elohim. He's the master of teva, of hateva, above nature, above Elohim. When you feel that Hashem is dealing with you with midat adin, Elohim, so what I need to overcome it is to get into tefillah. But on my own, this won't happen. I have to attach my davening to the tzaddik. I have to become... Tafel. 
I have to see myself secondary, secondary, okay? So now the verse continues. Adonai ma'on ata hayetananu bedor vador. So the Midrash says on the word ma'on, ma'on is like makom, place, okay? So on this verse is the famous teaching from Rabbi Nachman also, that Hashem is the makom of the world, and the world is not the makom of Hashem. You would think that here's the world, and in the world, Hashem can be found. No, 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 no. Hashem is the place, and the world is in Hashem. It's all like you, because the attitude of people in this world is that God is somewhere out there. You know, I'm busy, busy running, going to work, and doing things. And Hashem is also a component, a, part, like a piece of the creation. He's somewhere out there. No, no, that's not the attitude. Hashem is there, Hashem is there, Hashem is always everywhere. Hashem is everywhere, and the world is in Hashem. The attitude, unfortunately, the mentality of people in this world is not that there's, there's this world and Hashem is like a is by the way. That's not the attitude. The, the reality is that Hashem is the place and this world. This world is in Hashem. And that's where they bring the analogy of the rider and the horse. You have the rider and the horse, okay? The rider, the rider, he's sitting on the horse. Where's the, who's, the, who's the place here? Is the place the horse and the rider is on the, on the horse? The, the horse is the place and the rider is by the way? Or is the rider the main figure? And by the way, there's the horse. So the answer, the rider is the main makom. He's the maon. Because just like a rider, when he sits on the horse, he covers the horse with his weapons and his belt. You know, he has a long... Uh, armor and everything so when a, 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 a horseman sits on the horse his legs plus his weapons and his belt and everything is and his sacks and his bags they're covering the midrash says this they're covering the horse so he because he's covering the horse he's the main thing okay so too hashem is the makom the ma'on and the world is by the way the 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 the, 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 the world is by the way just like the Sus is by the way okay so ma'on ata lanu bedor vador. You are you are the place. Adonai ma'on ata lanu bedor vador. You are the place. The Zohar, the Zohar says in the midrash that what does this mean? Ma'on ata lanu bedor vador. There's a few explanations. Okay, the explanation we want to go into first before that is that Hashem continues to be found. In all the shuls and the Torahs, Batekinesil, Batemidrashot, throughout our exile, okay? But more than this, the, Zohar, the, the Midrash goes on to say that Ma'ona Tahaita is going on Moshe Rabbeinu. Tfila le Moshe, Ishalokim, Adonai, which is the name, it's written in the Pasuk. If you look in Kaput Tzadik, it's written Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. It's not written Yud Kevavke. Take a look in the Tikkun Akhlali if you have access to it. I don't have it here. Nah, it's not in this edition. But you have the Tikkun Akali, the how the Pasuk was written in Tfilah Moshe, Isha Lokim, Aleph Dalit Nun Yud, which is the name associated with prayer. And that's the power of Tfilah Moshe. Tfilah Moshe activates Aleph Dalit Nun Yud to bypass Elokim, nature, okay? So, Ata, the Midrash says, You, Tzadikim of Moshe Rabbeinu, as caliber, Hayita Lanu Bedor Vador. What does that mean? What the Zohar says, the Zohar says, It pashtuta de Moshe 
Bechol dara vedara. Moshe Rabbeinu's presence is in every generation. Don't say Moshe Rabbeinu was just in the Chumash and that's it. The Arizal says clearly, and the Zohar says this clearly, Moshe Rabbeinu is to be found in every generation. The Arizal explains more clearer wow. that there is a tzaddik in every generation who is the entire, entire entity of Moshe Rabbeinu from head to toe. Example number one that's given is Mordechai. The Midrash says, not the Zohar, the Midrash says that Mordechai was the 100% representation of Moshe Rabbeinu. He was the Moshe Rabbeinu in the time of the, the story of Purim. That's why it says, Kimu Kiblu. What's Kimu Kiblu? They received the Torah by Harsin and Moshe Rabbeinu, and they received it a second time in Mordechai's time, because he was Moshe Rabbeinu again. So it's fitting that there was a receiving of the Torah a second time. Unbelievable. Okay, that's example number one. Every generation has a tzaddik, even this generation. There's what's called the tzaddik hador, the tzaddik of the generation. There's many tzaddikim. Rabbi Nachman says more. There are true tzaddikim. And then he says more. There's eight tzaddik of the generation. And he says there's many tzaddikim hador, but there's one tzaddik hador who's Moshe Rabbeinu from head to toe, top to bottom, that he's the full representation of Moshe Rabbeinu. So the pasuk is saying, Ata ma'on, ata hayit alanu bedorvador. Your place, Moshe Rabbeinu, of giving access to tefillah le giving access to people to have accessibility to tefillah, even today, because you would say tefillah le Moshe. What do you want from me, Moshe Rabbeinu? I don't have tefillah le Moshe. What do you want from me? There's a tzaddik today who guides the world, who can give you koach that your tefillah becomes a tefillah to alter nature, to become Isha Elohim, to change. When you need a big miracle, if you're on your own, forget it, you're lost, a lost case. If you connect yourself to tzaddikim or at the caliber of Moshe Rabbeinu, at the level of Moshe Rabbeinu, you have a chance to become Isha Elohim also, that your prayer can be a master over nature and bypass nature. That's a supernatural power of tefillah. And this, don't say it was back then in the shtetl life, maybe in Eastern Europe that had tzaddikim like the Baal Shem Tov or they had the Arizal. How about today? We have nobody today. What do we have? We just have Shuki, what's the name? The guy, the guy takes pictures of all the tissues and everything. Uh, so what do you guy? I have all these pictures and they have the funny joke. And they had the line of rabbis. Okay? And the guy comes to the first rabbi, gives him a tzaddik, a paper, and he starts going, and then he gives the, 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 the paper to the next rabbi. The rabbi sees it. He starts going, and they give to all the rabbis. And then the last rabbi, after he did that, someone wants to see what's written on the paper. So it's on the paper, the, the famous uh, camera guy, Shukilur, just walked in. So to put on the show, put on the show, put on the show right okay? That's all we have. That's our tzaddikim for today. The Rambam says something scary. The Rambam. The Rambam, in his introduction to his Shmone Prakim of the commentary on the Mishnayot, he says that a tzaddik of a generation does not have to be physically alive. The Rambam says this. It's a tzaddik has such a hashpa'ah on a generation that it continues for a few generations even after his passing. The Rambam says this, okay? Yeah. It's not a breast of razach, it's an introduction to this Perush HaMishnayot. Take a look there, you can see it there. I saw it with my own eyes, someone showed it to me, I couldn't believe it. The Rambam says this, that a tzaddik avador is not necessarily he's physically alive, but he had such an impact and an influence on his generation that the influence continued. The classic example is Moshe and Yoshua. 
Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, and Yeshua continued with the light and impact that was given by Moshe Rabbeinu. So that when Yeshua Binun passed away, this is Rashi brings this down in the Chumash, when Yeshua Binun passed away, retroactively the Jews began to mourn over Moshe Rabbeinu. So long as Moshe Yeshua was alive, even though Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, the Jews didn't mourn so much Moshe Rabbeinu. When did they start? Rashi brings it down at the end of the Chumash environment. When did the Jews start mourning over Moshe Rabbeinu? When Yeshua Rabbeinu passed away after many years bringing them to Israel, then they felt the loss. Boom. Then they retroactively felt the loss of Moshe Rabbeinu. Because that's when they felt that he wasn't with them alone. But the real truth is, Moshe Rabbeinu is Bedor Ata. Ata referring to Moshe Rabbeinu, not necessarily Hashem. Because Adonai, Alev Dalenun Yud, Kama, Ma'on Ata, the place for Aleph Dalen Yuni, which is by Moshe Rabbeinu, because he's Tfilah Le Moshe, Ata Ha'ita Lanu Bedor Vado, you're with us for every generation. This is the power of Tfilah Le Moshe. So therefore, the antidote to chapter 90, which is Yehush, that all my suffering and all the futility, where did I get with my life? Where am I getting with my life? The antidote is in the opening Pasuk. Okay, he himself, Moshe Rabbeinu, is expressing the, f- the f- failures of mankind. And in it, he's saying, but this is the secret. Connect, connect to the tzaddik, connect to himself, Moshe Rabbeinu, right? That's unbelievable what he's saying about himself. That was the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. We won't go into this now because that's all sheer in itself. Lesson number four of Likud Timuran. Well, how can the tzaddik say about himself, you know, the greatest terms and the greatest things? That's another topic in itself. But here, this is the, the key to that. So with this, Rabbi Nachman opens us to the world of Tefillah, and that's the chapter 90. The father of the Rambam, so this came out recently, I don't know if you saw it, they were giving out when the corona started here, and they're still giving it out, a little paper with all types of sigulot, one of them is to say chapter 90. So they quote the father of the Rambam, Maimon, Rabbi Moshe ben Maimon, Rabbi Maimon he has some writings, and in it he said, if people knew the greatness of chapter 90 of Tehillim, they would be so careful to say it every day like they're careful to say Kriyat Shema twice a day. Okay? That's how powerful it is. From our perspective, it's part of the Tikkun HaKlali. Now, chapter 90 activates Tefillah. But again, when you take the vitamin, the multivitamin together, it works if you take all 10 together. The multivitamin is chapter 15, 16, 32, 41, 42, 59, 77, 90, 105, 137, 150, it works together when it's multivitamin. Together, the potency won't be there enough to help you to activate tefillah. But this is what tefillah is. Tefillah na Moshe is to help you develop a connection to the tzaddik, who is Moshe Rabbeinu. And what Maynaf Kamina, you now have koach through your prayer to change nature. Everyone else says it's over, it's finished. You keep on going on with a power of prayer that's supernatural, so overnatural. And with that, you're able to get things happening in life. We're proof, we're proof, whatever. We're proof that prayer by tzaddikim, by graves of tzaddikim, at this caliber, classic example is Meron, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, because he, we know openly, openly, that Moshe Rabbeinu in the Zohar tells Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, we are one and the same. We're totally connected. It's a statement, the Raya Mehemna, the faithful shepherd, which is Moshe Rabbeinu, tells Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, we are one. You are me, I am you, we're connected together. Even though many times the Raya Mehem, the Moshe Rabbeinu, the Shama, and the Zohar would come, he started revealing secrets in front of the students of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, in front of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, he said, we're one and the same. Meaning, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, 
for sure has this caliber of Moshe Rabbeinu, meaning davening by Meron, for example, by Rabbi Shemar Yochai, can get you super duper natural breakthroughs happening in life. That's one of the greatest things, the power of, of Rabbi Shemar Yochai, of Meron. And, and, and follow up to that, Nachman ben Simcha is Gematria Shimon ben Yochai. Just so you should know, just to where it's the breast of class, Rabbi Nachman, he said, he's hinted in that also. 501, 501. Nachman Fege, uh, Simcha, his father's name was Simcha, and Shimon Yochai is 501. Ben, add, add 52 by 50, 501. Makes it's sense. Ben. Yeah, you know that already. This is an old Chidush. He knows this. He's our math, but he knows this already. Shimon Yochai is 501. Yeah, you see that? And Nachman and Simcha is also 501. You just lost your balloon. Your balloon. That's it. They love you. They love you. When I do, when do. Right. If I know it, it's not going to come back. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just there it goes. Up. Well, okay. How does that knife fit in the sentence? According how to does it add up? Shadin. Okay, one more time. According to Moshe, Tzilan Moshe. According to Moshe, Because that's the name associated with Tzilan. I want to say it again. Yeah, but the, the Koach of Adonai activated. Ata, you, Moshe Rabbeinu. Not necessarily you'd give Hashem. You, Moshe Rabbeinu. <coughs> Ma'on, the Ma'on for the name Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. Hayitalanu Bedor Vador. You are the Ma'on, you're the Makom. You see, the Midrash says like this Hashem's Makom are the Tzaddikim. I, I should have elaborated that more. Midrash Tehilim says Hashem's Ma'on in this world is the Tzaddikim. The tzaddikim is the place of, 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 of for Hashem. Hashem's ma'on in this world, if you want to say, are the tzaddikim. The makom of, the, of Hashem in this world, are the, the representation of Hashem in this world, believe it or not, are the tzaddikim. The ma'on, the dwelling place of Hashem, as Adonai ma'on, <coughs> which are the tzaddikim, ata, you weren't just back then, it's bedor vador, continues to take place. This is, you can see this in Midrash Telim, it's there. There's 11 explanations, this is one of them. And, uh, and the Ma'on, that's where you pray, and that's... that's also the, the baby, what, the Shul? That's where you pray, and that's where the Tzadik, because you only pray in Betul Moshe, right? When it's Beminya and Dafka? No, 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 what I'm saying, when you pray, you, you're praying with the Tzadik, right? With the Tzadik, right. And Hashem's Ma'on is in the Tzadik, it's in the tzadik. all one. It's all one. Got it. I hope that was clear. Alright? No. We're okay? Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah.